Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, my guest today is somebody that I've been wanting to get on the show for a little while. He's very, very smart about money and financial education. He's the owner of Quest Education and the author of the book, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. Please welcome to the show, Daniel Blue. Daniel, it's great to have you here, man. Hey, Samuel. Appreciate you inviting me on and uh, looking forward to jamming with you. Man, you are just a wealth of knowledge. I don't even know where to begin the show because not only are you an entrepreneur and a, a podcast host yourself, uh, but you're also a best-selling author as well. I really want to crack into that. But uh, before we get started, just tell us a little bit about who Daniel Blue is and where he came from. Yeah, I always tell people I like to start when I was 18 years old. There's three things that really changed the course of my life when I was 18. First thing that happened is I ended up getting addicted to Oxycontin and uh, became heavily involved in drugs at that time. And the second thing that happened, uh, I ended up getting a woman pregnant and I ended up having a daughter at 19 years old. Oh, wow. And then at 18 years old, I ended up dropping out of college. So all three of those things happened at the, at that age. So, you know, 18 years old is a big year, right? I got some, you, you spread just, your wings and <laughs> you just flipped the switch and decided to play life on hard mode. You're like, right, let's, yeah. let's, let's make it a little more challenging. Dude, that's, that, that's, yeah. What was that like? Man, I can't even begin to imagine being a 18, 19 year old kid and having a, a child of your own. I mean, I didn't have my children. We didn't have children until I was in my thirties. So man, where do you even begin with that? Yeah, I mean, every, you know, adversity or, you know, trauma you face, like really super deep challenge, like when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize that when you come on the other side and you you overcome it, like it's instrumental, right? You look back at that struggle and you're like, dude, I, I freaking want, like I was able to learn so much, but when you're in the heat of, of losing and, and taking shots to the chin and, you know, stressing out, oh, you're not yeah. thinking about all the blessings that, that come from it, right? So, you know, I think uh, people listening to the show right now, they're probably entrepreneurs or want to become an entrepreneur and we're stubborn, right? Like we want to take a harder <laughs> yeah. path yeah. and uh, make things harder than they probably should be, but there's some good things that come from that man it's like they say you know in in the school you get you get the lesson first and the test after and in life you get the test first and then you uh, you learn the lesson so what was life like as a 19 year old dad man i um you know I, i'm an oh i told you before we actually you know hit record i'm, a, I'm an open book right and i yeah. just try to keep it real with people uh, i actually wasn't there for my daughter when she was born i was not at the hospital and that's supposed to be one of the you know highlights of being a parent right like cutting yeah. their umbilical cord holding them when they're very first born taking them home right like i missed out all oh, of that wow, and um you know i was just too busy getting high off of pills i, I chose a different path and uh, I wasn't there the next day after she was born, the week after she was born, it actually took two weeks for me to see her for the very first time. And, um, you know, from that point on, I, uh, I've always made it a point to be in her life and, uh, you know, make up for that mistake. So I was really scared just to be, be real, man. Like I was a kid having a kid. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, I was still using drugs when she was born. I didn't get clean until she was six months old. So for the first six months of her life, 
I was still using drugs. And, and it took a, a moment. I always remember it was Thanksgiving 2009, where I actually had a real conversation with myself. I started to really do some soul searching and ask myself questions like, okay, what kind of human being am I? What kind of dad am I? What kind of example am I setting for my daughter? You know, and just took ownership and accountability. And I sought the truth. And I realized I got to make some changes or else, you know, my, my daughter is going to have a piece of shit dad. And, uh, you know, I've been clean since November, 2009 and my daughter's 12 years old now. And, uh, you know, life's a lot different. Well, damn, congratulations on the, uh, on the keeping clean and getting clean and staying clean. Um, you know, I don't know how much you know about the show or how much you've seen, but I've, I've had my own battle with alcoholism and it, it was a very similar moment i was a lot older when i finally got it but it was like hey what what kind of fucking man am i being here what kind of dad am i being to my kids being this hooked on something so uh congratulations man on the uh on the sobriety but tell us a little bit about your career because you're coming out the gate at 19 years old and just got sober and how do you go from i mean obviously there's a long story involved but how do you go from there to you know a, a best selling author and the owner of your own education service for for finance financial stuff yeah i, I didn't take a uh, a path that was you know uh super ordinary in the sense if you look at people in the financial services arena you know they have prestigious college degrees mm -hmm. you know maybe came from money with family you know worked at a big company like fidelity or some other kind of wall street based firm yeah. and uh you know I'm, I'm not your typical you know owner of a financial company um you know, i've got 13 employees and uh you know they're all here in the u.s here in las vegas they're not out in the philippines <laughs> um, nothing against that, right? But you know, I, I I'm really blessed to employ real people in, in my city here in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. and uh, we've got a thousand customers in all 50 states. So you know, to get to that point, um, you know, I didn't take a normal path in the sense of you know, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. Let's go. You know, when I was 19, 20 years old. I, I wanted to win. You know, I wanted to make a lot of money because I grew up without having a ton of money. I saw my mom struggle, so I'm like, okay, I don't want that life. So let me figure out a way to create create some some income so we don't have to struggle and i ended up finding sales at 18 years old and I, i've stuck with sales for a long time i had some success at 18 19 20 i was making six figures in sales uh, i was in the real estate services space oh, okay um, you i was going to ask in, what you were selling yeah that's, that's in that a good arena look. yeah and, and because i was in that world i got introduced to self-directed retirement accounts and I started hearing a lot of people talk about using an IRA, using a, a 401k, using a retirement account to invest into real estate. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's cool. Like I thought retirement accounts were just for mutual funds and stocks. I didn't know you could use a retirement account to invest into real estate, right? right so, right. you know, that seed was planted in my head. And um, I'm 32 years old now, and I made the pivot probably when I was like 23, 24. I got out of real estate sales. Um, you know, the, the biz ops sales game. And uh, I wanted something um, that really could stimulate me where I could have a higher ceiling. And uh, I took a big pay cut. I went from making six figures um, to making like 50% less at, at 23, 24, uh, pivoted, got into the self-directed retirement account industry and ended up working for a company for a number of years and uh, learned the game. And then uh, three years ago, I put all the chips in and uh, like all the entrepreneurs listening, bet on myself and, uh, you know, put a lot of money into my business and uh, started it three years ago. And, and here we are today. Dude, that's, that's incredible. Um, that's, 
I mean, it's inspiring for one, um, you know, to see somebody come from where you were, were at to where you're at now. Um, it kind of been all sunshine and rainbows, though. What was what would you say the biggest speed bump you had on the way to turning into a fully fledged entrepreneur was? Man, I lost like two hundred thousand dollars last year oh, in that business. All? Yeah, man, last year kicked my ass. <laughs> you know, I uh, you know just had some challenges before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID kind of amplified some of those challenges, and um, you know just kind of faced some some higher expenses for just some curveball things that were thrown my way didn't really plan on it happening right like that's entrepreneurship one-on-one we get thrown with curveballs um but uh you know I, I had a buddy that gave me some really good advice that helped me get through things and I told him this last year I was like bro I lost 200 grand and uh he's like don't be a bitch he's like my first year he's like I lost 300 grand he's like my second year I lost 200 grand he's like my third year I lost like 50 he's like my fourth year I'm kicking ass and he's like, I've been making money ever since. Takes he's like, bro, yeah. businesses are like kids, you know, like they, they can't really function on their own when they're babies, right? Like they need freaking, you know, they need help, right? Yes. To walk and run and things like that. So you know, I like to look at my businesses. It's, it's still, you know, new three years in it, but it's not a freaking newborn, right? Like mm-hmm. it's starting to walk. It's starting to get more stable. And, uh, you know, I think it's easy to get discouraged when we look at other people killing it. And we're like, dude, I'm struggling right now. Like I'm in credit card debt. Like my business is losing money. Um, but the key is, is just having a proof of concept, you know, having a good marketing plan, having a good way of solving a problem in the marketplace and constantly reinvesting back in your business, right? Like I reinvested a ton back in my business last year, knowing that this year we're going to be profitable, right. knowing that next year we're going to be profitable. Like, you know, businesses take time to develop. So, you know, you got to play the long game. Yeah, that's, that's the price of entry though, is, uh, having to put that money up and then rem- remembering to stay consistent. I think I remember and to focus on that goal because, you know, they say it only costs a million dollars to buy a million dollar education. And um, if I look at the amount of money I've, I've invested in my education over the last five years, it's been many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the one thing that's got us through and especially that got us through COVID was just the consistency and showing up on time and, and keeping doing the work. Do you find something similar over there? Yeah, man, I was in a funk last year, you know, just keeping it real with everybody. There was a time probably March to June. I was in a funk last year, man. It, it really messed with my head when they closed the gyms out here in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. They shut things yeah. down pretty hard out here. And uh, I just got in a funk, man, you know, losing a lot of money like I did last year and then getting off my routine, my consistency, not working out. You know, I, I could have got creative, right? I could have done other things to work out and exercise besides going to the gym. So kind of just, uh, you know, listen to my little bitch voice and, <laughs> and come to my excuses. But, you know, that, we all that's do real that, talk. man. Yeah, yeah, we all do that. That's why I got that tattoo right there just to remind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, man. It's, uh, that's real life. Dude, what... I, I had a rough 2020 with COVID, but I came out of it so much better as far as systems and processes and spending and cash flow. What would you say the biggest lesson you took from last year was? Yeah, man, I, I can relate to what, you know, what you're saying right now. We had a, you know, my office is really big last year, you know, it's about 4,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all my employees, 
fist bump, say hi to them, you know, pre COVID, like we all worked together for yeah. all of the years we've been doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And when COVID happened, we had to adapt. Um, and part of the reason why I lost a lot of money last year is I had a stroke, a big check to buy out of my lease last oh, year because yeah. I just saw the future. I'm like, okay, we're going to be working remote for a while now. And I don't need that big of a space. You know, if I've got most of my staff working remote, why do I need thousands of square feet? You know? So, um, you know, I, I put myself in a position where, you know, lowering the, the overhead and, uh, you know, being able to, you know, not spend as much money, you know, with, with the office, you know, that's, yeah. that's really yeah, huge, yeah. you know, and, and getting the, the P and L down, you know? Yeah, our lease, our lease was actually up the December, and we were month to month. And then, uh, by the time I consolidated everything and looked around, we'd saved over fifty thousand dollars a year by switching offices and moving from. Yeah. One. We we moved one town over. Our towns both touch at the borderline, so it's like a twin city. We just we moved to the the less expensive town, and uh, it's it's been wonderful. Just a literal literal fifty thousand dollar a year pay raise just by moving buildings. So. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm right there with you, brother. I, I went from uh, you know right now our our, our rent is thirty seven hundred a month, and we were paying uh, shoot eleven thousand six hundred. Yeah, you know, last year it's so it's instant uh, instant seventy thousand dollar raise right there. Yeah, man. And then you know learning how to work remote, we we struggled mm-hmm. with that, right? Like going from seeing each other in person every single day and having in person meetings to now a lot of the communication is you know video chats and yeah. direct messages and emails and things like that. So. You know that that was we had to work through some of those challenges last year, and and uh, you know getting better processes and systems and automations, and you know being more efficient. I, man, I love I love it. It was such a such a kick in the balls when everything shut down, but now with the benefit of hindsight and that thousand foot view of what actually happened, um, man, I, I for one, I'm I'm such a better businessman because of it. I run so much leaner and just. My, my front end and my back end are all much more um, streamlined um, yep. just because of those lessons from from the last uh, from the last year so how do you go about getting started using an IRA to invest with because I think that a lot of the people listening are going to be in a similar situation to what you mentioned earlier where they don't actually realize that there's the opportunity to put your money to work in other things other than mutual funds so t- talk to me a little bit about that and the process for getting involved in that and, and actually what you'll invest in. Yeah, I mean, I think that the main myth that we crush is people think that they can't access the money in their retirement accounts. You know, people think that they can't use the money in their retirement accounts in a penalty and tax-free way other than just the stock market. And, okay. uh, you know, I've been able to help out a lot of people that you know in, in Apex and uh, you know a lot of the, the clients that we've been able to work with just helping them with different things right there's people in the group that you know had a, a 401k from an old job or an IRA and they were tired of the stock market and they wanted to invest into some alternative investments you know maybe invest into you know a franchise like Everbull right or a real estate syndication deal right you can't make those investments with your IRA at TD Ameritrade or your account with, um, you know, Vanguard, right? Or, you know, those traditional accounts, um, <laughs> things like that, I'm, right? I'm going to so, say, no, I don't know. You keep saying, you know, but no, I don't. I'm completely ignorant of this, which is really yeah. why, I, it's why I wanted you on here. It's why, I wanted, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's why I wanted the listeners to hear it too, because I had no idea that I could invest in a franchise using my IRA. I think that's yeah, insane. Yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy. Financial advisors in Wall Street, they don't want people to know this because... 
they don't make money off of those transactions, right? Like there's people in the group that we've been able to help where, you know, they wanted to pull out 10 or $20,000 from their retirement account penalty and tax-free and use it to fund their business, mm -hmm. right? Like that helps the owner of the account that helps you, the individual, but that doesn't benefit your financial advisor. They don't make money off of that. So why would they want to teach you a way to access your own money penalty and tax-free? Like they don't make money off that. They make money when you buy stocks. Man, see the, the stuff you don't even think about. Like this is um, so far off of my radar. I find it fascinating that you could actually come out and invest in a restaurant franchise or pull out money and invest in your own company um, for, from money that, because I've been taught and you know, it's hammered into you through the TV and through the, your conventional um, tax accountants and stuff. I've been taught that once it goes in there, it stays in there. And that's just not the case, is it? No, I mean, a lot of CPAs, they're not even aware of, of these strategies. Um, the main vehicle that unlocks these different strategies, like the two examples I just gave you, mm -hmm. it's called the solo 401k. And uh, that's a, a IRS approved retirement account that's for an entrepreneur who doesn't have any W-2 employees. So if you're listening to this, maybe you do some consulting, some freelancing, an online business, like there's just some kind of side hustle or, or business activity you have going on. And there's no W-2 employees associated with your business. You can have 1099 contractors. There just can't be full-time W-2 employees associated with this business besides you or your spouse. If that's mm -hmm. you, then you qualify for a solo 401k. And this is the account that you can get money in and do all of these cool things like use the money penalty and tax-free to invest into Everbowl or fund your business, or maybe even pay off high interest rate credit card debt. Maybe right now you've got 20% interest that you owe on your credit cards. And you're like, shit, it's a lot of money. I'm losing an in interest. I'd mm -hmm. love to pay off my credit card debt in one shot. I see this is blowing my mind. So you could borrow against your 401k to pay off your credit card debt. Yeah, there's what's called a loan feature on the solo 401k, where essentially mm -hmm. you can be your own bank and uh, access the money penalty and tax free. And you can use the money however you want. If you want to use it to pay off high interest rate debt, fund a business, maybe you need some money for ad spend or you need some money for inventory. Mm -hmm. um, you can use the money however you want. I hope you guys are paying attention to this. It's like this guy's like gold hidden in the network. Um, I, even though his name is Blue, I, I just I, <laughs> I can't believe that that I haven't thought about doing this. Um, you know, my four hundred one k before I completely cashed it out and put it into uh, a car dealership a long time ago. Um, I was, you know, it, it was always um, just put the money in there and forget about it. Um, don't ask me any questions. Um, you get a statement once a quarter, and and, and that's it. And are you much more hands-on than that then in directing these guys? Or do you kind of let them pick and choose what they do with their money? Yeah, that's the cool thing about what we do, man. Like by design, we're not financial advisors. You know, we don't sell investments. We're just pure education. So, you know, my team will do the education, the setup of the account, the customer service. You know, we've got some clients that do their own investments, right? Like they have their own deals lined up, their own real estate deals, their own private placement, business investments that they're going to make. Cool. We'll just help process the paperwork, cross the T's, dot the I's, and, and make sure that, you know, things are done correctly uh, from a paperwork standpoint. And then there's other people that need a little bit of direction. And uh, in-house, we don't sell investments, but we've got strategic third-party financial companies that we can refer people to so they can hear out some, some other options. The cool part about these plans that we help people set up 
they're self-directed, right? So like you can invest your money wherever you want. Do you want crypto? Do you want precious metals? Do you want real estate? Do you want private businesses, right? Like there's just a big, huge menu of investment options that you weren't even aware of. So it's just a matter so, of, you know, pulling the curtain back and teaching people. I mean, that's another one. I had no idea that you could self-direct your 401k into crypto. Yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... What would you say the the biggest myth or misconception about this whole industry is that that, that entrepreneurs struggle to understand? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the who I'm speaking to is the entrepreneur that came from corporate, right? That mm -hmm. that established some kind of retirement account, and they've always been like out of sight, out of mind. I can only use this money for the stock market. However, now that you took the plunge and you're an entrepreneur you actually can structure your retirement accounts as a business owner. And the solo 401k is only for a business owner, right? If you're listening to this and you're just straight W2 employee, you have zero side hustles, you have no business activity, you don't qualify for the solo 401k. So, you know, there's a lack of understanding. Once you put on your business cap and mm -hmm. you set up an LLC or you have a sole proprietorship, you have a business you can structure your retirement accounts a completely different way and get a bunch of advantages that the normal W-2 employee doesn't get to participate in. Man, we're going to have to have an off-the-record discussion because I need some retirement accounts setting up by the sound of this. Um, looks like you know very much um, what you're getting into. What would you say the most important lesson you've learned over the course of your investing career has been? And how can my guys benefit from that? You know play the long game. I know that just sounds like so like redundant and regurgitated information, but like, you know, I just pull on stories in terms of experiences for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I've lost a lot of money, right? I've had some winners, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I bought a house in 2008 when uh, the market Ooh, took shit yeah. and I actually bought at the high point and I was 18, 19 years old, making good money. I'm like, let's go, let's buy a house. I didn't think about how long I wanted to be in that house. Mm -hmm. I didn't game plan. And I didn't play the long game with it. And we all know the ending of the story, right? The market took a shit. I was high on drugs, made bad decisions, and I ended up losing the house, right? I didn't play the long game there. Um, you know, when I was making good money in my early 20s, I didn't play the long game, right? I was spending more than I was making. I, I didn't build up my credit score. Mm -hmm. So it's like the boring, mundane things that if you do it long enough, it really adds up, man. Like living below my means for a number of years and building my credit and saving money and having investments, that's how I was able to get to a point where, you know, I could afford $100,000 loss, right? I could afford right. putting a bunch of money on my 0% credit cards and starting my business, right? Mm -hmm. Because I lived below my means for so long. And even today, I, I live below my means, right? Like, I don't spend money on stupid shit. Like, I have no problem spending $50,000 on a coaching program on a mastermind. I would rather spend $50,000 there than $50,000 on a new truck, right? But that's just right. my preference. Like, that's where I'm at in my business. I'm 32. I'm only three years in business. So I'm probably going to think a little bit differently when I'm 10 years in the game because I'll have more backing and, and more, you know, security and things like that. So it's really just being honest with yourself, knowing where you're at and, and where you're trying to go because I'm trying to build something big here. And, and I know for me to do that, I have to have more employees, more resources, which means I got to keep reinvesting and, and growing the business. Well, let's go down that road a minute. What do you see as the future for you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, if we've got, you know, a thousand, you know, customers in all 50 states and, you know, let's just call it 40, 50 million dollars, you know, under our umbrella in terms of being able to kind of help these people with customer service and things of that nature. Um, I want to get this thing to a point where we've got, you know, five, 10,000 customers and hundreds of millions, um, because that means we're, we're impacting a lot more people, right? Because everyone that we work with, they're like, good. I didn't know this. Like, how come my financial advisor didn't teach me? How come I didn't hear this from my CPA? Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we hear the same song, right. They just right. don't know. So we look at it as an impact game and, and there's a big need in this market for people to know, you know, the options that are out there and it's not for everyone, right? Like, you know, I don't want people to think that like what I'm talking about is the one and only solution. It's just a tool on your tool belt, right? Just like insurance is a tool in your tool belt. Real estate's a tool in your tool belt. Your actual business is a tool in your tool belt, right? You know, maybe crypto, right? Yeah. I just believe there's a, there's a place and a time for something like a solo 401k, you know, depending on your goals. Man, no doubt. No doubt. So um, I, I'm looking in the background there and I see a, uh, a picture of, I think it's Michael Jordan behind you. Is that right? Yeah, man. I, I actually just got <laughs> it off of Amazon and uh, I haven't hung it up. So it kind of does look like I'm in a college frat house. Um, no, so I, no, I gotta, no. So that wasn't, yeah. where, that wasn't where I was going <laughs> with that. Um, that wasn't where I was going with that last question. Um, but I see you got Jordan up there on the wall. I want to know who who you look up to, uh, both as uh, as a professional mentor and as more of an inspiration man. Who are some characters that you look up to that have helped to guide you along? Um, well, number one, my mom. I'm a mama's boy. Um, you know, I grew up without a dad after I was 12 years old. So naturally, mm -hmm. we became pretty tight. Um, so she's someone that you know laid the groundwork for me and planted a lot of seeds in my head. Uh, along the way so I mean she's she's number one all time and, and that won't ever change um and then um you know definitely enjoy listening to people like Ed Milet you know Andy yeah. Priscilla right mm -hmm. those are some good solid people um and then obviously you know the the OG the one that I'm probably the closest out of you know the mentors that we we, we call right is Ryan Stuman, right a friend a client you know he's been my coach you know and he's a stud right he lays the groundwork great leader and uh you know someone that i, I definitely listen to and follow and uh, look up to and, and uh you know it's made a big difference in a lot of people's lives how, how long ago did you start coaching or start 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 working with coaches i should say um, so i joined arate mm -hmm. and i want to say this was the summer of 2019 and then i met somebody from arate that already was in stuman's um at the time, it was called Push to Excellence. So mm -hmm. it's the same version of executives. Yeah. And then um, I joined Push to Excellence, which is the same as executives back in November of 2019. And um, I've pretty much have been in executives since uh, November 2019, minus those few months that I was telling you that, that I was kind of in that funk mm -hmm. um, last year from like March to June, give or take. But uh I, th you know, I think the world been, was that's, that's pretty forgivable uh, yeah. time time of the year to have a funk there. <laughs> that, but that's when you need to 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 be vulnerable and reach out to more people and 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 just keep it real and do do things that don't involve retreating, right? Like I wish I didn't retreat because that's essentially what I did, right? I could have took that time to finish my book. At that yeah. point, yeah. my book wasn't done yet, and I could have finished that thing, but I but I chose not to. Sometimes though, there's a there's an aspect of mental health that says, "Hey, you know, I I really want to retreat. I'm going to be left alone for a little bit. And I'm going to take stock of my shit." So maybe that's what you were doing those first few months. Where do you think um, where do you think coaching has got you? Man, I uh, wouldn't have wrote a book 
if it wasn't for someone like Stuman in, mm-hmm. in the coaching group. Um, when I started a podcast, you know, I got a podcast called How Winners Win. We're, uh, you know, we've recorded like 40 episodes, been having a lot of fun there. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be, you know, posting on social media like I do if it wasn't for coaching, you know, coming up with content and copywriting and doing videos, you know, being a guest on your podcast here. Um, Thank so you. if it comes, when it comes to like personal branding, Mm-hmm. that's where coaching comes in because you know no, november 2019 i already had a business like i had a proof of concept had had clients you know generating revenue had employees right mm-hmm. however i i knew i was missing the personal branding the marketing right. aspect yeah and uh that's where i needed help from someone like stuman to you know level up and do things that were outside my comfort zone getting on camera speaking on stage writing a book doing podcasts. I, I attribute all of that to, to coaching. Nice. So is it something you would recommend to somebody starting out to get a coach or is it, I, I'm, I'm trying to go with the value here. Somebody that's listening to us that is struggling, that's maybe making five, maybe just scratching six figures a year. And they look at coaching and go, holy shit, that's a thousand dollars a month or 2000 or 3000, whatever it is. Have you found it worthwhile? Yeah, I mean, think about it last year, like, okay, I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars last year. And maybe I wouldn't have lost as much if I didn't spend tens of thousands of dollars in coaching, right? But right. I'm playing the long game, right? Like, you you can't expect a, an ROI, you can't expect a direct benefit from that investment immediately. It, it takes a long time, right? Sometimes it might happen within a few months, right. but it, it takes a good amount of time to actually see the benefit so if you're willing to play the long game and 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 develop like real quality relationships because i've been around enough masterminds enough coaching programs where and i think people listening can relate to this where you see someone join the program and they're just expecting clients like mm-hmm. the next month like they're expecting to make their money the next month they're <laughs> expecting to be given clients right away and like dude that's not where you get the value from these masterminds you get the value by seeing where you can offer you know your your input and your feedback and, and help people out along the way and you start vibing with people and having genuine relationships it starts coming out in the room. You are who you are and you do what you do and people will, will gravitate towards you and you actually can develop, you know, business relationships down the road. But first it's, it's personal relationships, right? So um, when we all have coaches at some point in time, right? Like the best, yeah. the best have coaches, yeah. right? Like Tiger Woods had a coach, Michael Jordan had a coach. Um, yeah. I think it's important that we have coaches, you know, I just started seeing a therapist. Like that's a mental coach. Um, just worked out this morning at the gym. I worked out with my physical trainer, right? Like that's my coach, yeah. you know, I'm going, going to Dallas next week, be with my coach, be with mm-hmm. the coaches. Right. So it's a constant growth and mindset of like, we're a student game. We don't know everything. No, I love that. I love that. And you know, my, my entire trajectory changed when I started paying for and investing in coaches and masterminds and, and that kind of stuff. And it, it really is. Some people expect the results immediately, but you know, one phrase I keep coming back to is nothing works until you do. And uh, I think people forget that uh, you actually have to put in the work to get to this level. There's not just, you, you can't just pay for a coach and have everything done for you. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> are you one of these, uh, are you one of these crazy guys that, that gets up super early and goes running at 4am or are you uh, a little bit more laid back in your fitness? 
Um, you know, it just depends on people's routine, right? Like I actually made a post about this not that long ago where it's like, dude, you don't have to get up at 5 a.m. to be successful. Like I know you hear that from a lot of different influencers and, and people saying like, you know, you know, money doesn't sleep. And if you're not up early, you're a piece of shit pretty much. But like, <laughs> dude, like I, I have a friend that runs, you know, like high eight figure business and uh, is fucking crushing it. And he gets up at 830 every morning. Right. So like, I know there's, I personally know people that don't get up early and they're killing it. Right. Like they're doing really good. Um, so it's preferences, right. To me, it comes down to how are you managing your time? Like, what are you doing with your time when you're not sleeping? That's all that matters. Right. Cause we're only sleeping for some amount of time. Right? Right, right. What happens with your time when you're not sleeping me personally to answer your question, I just get up early just because that's how my routine is with my daughter. Right. So like mm -hmm. my alarm goes off at 420, not because I'm a 420, you know, uh, weed head and, and I'm smoking my joint. I just know how long it takes for me to get to the gym. Yep. And, uh, I get to the gym at 5. AM I'll work out, hit up the sauna, maybe do a little bit of swimming, the jacuzzi. Like I, that's my time. That's my routine. I get by the time I get home, I get a few minutes to make my shake, play with my dog hang out with my daughter, Bella, and then I take her to school at 7.15. And then yeah. after I take her to school, come back to the house, maybe chill with the wife for a little bit. And then I come to the office around nine o'clock, right? Like that's just my routine. And if I want to get it in the, the gym, I just have to go in the morning because I just know I won't go at night, right? Yeah. But yeah. like there's not a one size shoe fits all. No, I hear that. I hear that. I struggle to, uh, I struggle to get up before five. Uh, I can do the five o'clocks, but man, I think there yeah. should, I think there should only be one four o'clock in each day. I think yeah. I should petition for that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it hits different, bro. When, when that alarm goes off at four twenty, you're like, damn. So, you know. <laughs> I would have to leave the clock in the other room. There would be a lot of protesting, yeah. I'm sure, if, yeah. I, uh, yeah. if, I, if I kept getting up at at four twenty. So let's shift gears a minute here. Let's say you were uh, looking at starting another business tomorrow outside of the financial services industry. Um, is there any other businesses that kind of catch your eye? Is there anything else you'd fancy doing in a different life? Man, I, um, you know, I'm just, I just made a post on Facebook the other day about like people having a passion and a purpose, right? I was and, not uh, stalking you, dude. I have not stalked yeah, you, I promise. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I just kept it real. I was like, look, bro, like my passion is not solo 401ks. Like my passion is not self-directed retirement accounts. Like I don't wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to people about self-directed retirement accounts. Uh, that's not a passion. I can't even right? imagine who would wake up and say that. Yeah, right. Like, but, but I think society makes us feel like we have to be passionate about what we do yeah. um and, and i think it's a goal to get there but like dude that's not real life right especially if you're younger right um so that, number one that's not my passion but my purpose is being lived right my purpose is impact my purpose is helping people and i get to breathe purpose every single day right helping yeah. with my employees helping with the clients like that that's a given so because my purpose is being fulfilled I'm not in the funk, like I'm in a good place, right? Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, like my passion, I wanna get to a point where my purpose and my passion is being filled up at the same time through a business. And that would be something through sports. Um, sports is what really helped me get through some 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 difficult times when I was a kid, oh, yeah. um, you know? being, uh, you know, losing my dad when I was 12 years old, where we were super tight and he ended up moving to a different company and I didn't, or different country. And, uh, yeah, I didn't see him. Oh, wow. Um, so just going through some of, some of those, those trials, um, you know, my teenager years, 
um, sports really helped me get focused and learn how to lose and, and how to win and leadership and communication. And I think there's, um, you know, a, a, a huge opportunity to help our youth through sports. Um, so I'd, I'd love to have like some kind of business that maybe is like a sports complex or, you know, a, a sports team. I love soccer. So I'd love to have like my, my vision is like a big ass sports complex with just like a shitload of soccer fields and just have a shitload of teams play where kids can come and it's like a league it's a camp it's a training and kids can come to just you know play football right play soccer and uh you know be around other people that have wisdom and experience that can help and i always have a soft spot for kids that grow up without dads that maybe come from a home with drugs or just some other fucked up shit and mm -hmm. Hey, if we can play a role in a kid's life, that's 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying yeah. those are the only ages, but like that, that's the breeding ground, right? Like they're always going to remember yeah. that. That's a super critical age for them too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sign me up, dude. I'll come and coach. I'll come. I love coach. it, bro. I, I love uh, it, man. I, it's the one thing I have on my tattooed on my arm as a soccer ball. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, I, man. I, I used to be a lot faster than I am now. I'll yeah. just say that. That's me, bro. I play uh, Wednesday nights and uh, there's times, man, where I'm like doing, you know, I'm playing and I'm like, okay, I already know what move I'm going to do. Like I'm going to do the Maradona, right? Like I already know how I'm going to juke him out. But like my mind is quicker than my feet. Like my yep. feet don't move. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh shit. And I just lost the ball. And, yep. you know, so Dude, that's funny how it works out, bro. Well, I've got another, I got another nine years on you and it's absolutely right. Your brain will still do it. And yeah. your mind still sees it, but your feet just are like, no, they're like, yeah. we're, we're, we're done here. And, uh, I do miss, I haven't played soccer since COVID um, when, when the league shut down. It did start back up again. I never got back yeah. involved, but uh, yeah. yeah. You have a, you have a favorite team? You know, man, not so much, bro. Cause you know, for the people that watch soccer and, and know a thing or two about soccer, these fuckers change teams like I changed my underwear, right? <laughs> like Ronaldo's going from Juventus to Man U and like, you know, Messi's going to PSG. Like they just change so much. I really don't follow teams. I, I'm more so follow players. Like, you know, me being 32, I remember when I was 16 years old watching Cristiano Ronaldo with his little uh, blonde highlights at Man mm -hmm. U, just fucking crushing it. So like I more so follow players and not teams because there's just too many changes and transfers and things like that. No, I got you. I got you. This, Ronaldo has been like the player of a generation. Him and Messi yeah. just yeah. head and shoulders, yeah. man. But anyway, we should yeah. get back on. Uh, <laughs> we should get back on. We should get back on topic here. Um, dude, I don't know. I'm running out of questions, man. I I could ask you the same stuff, but we've we've already covered a lot. So um, I'll get on to some of the final questions. Um, you yourself wrote a book, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. Tell me a little bit about the process of writing a book and how long it took and what it feels like to be a, uh, a published author. Yeah, so I started it in July 2019, July. Uh, I started working with with Hillary. Uh, if you're in Apex, you know who Hillary is. She's yeah. the shit. Um, so she was instrumental in me writing my book. And, and we probably got like 60% of it done, man. At least 50% of it done when we first started working that summer. And that thing sat in my inbox until earlier this year. Like I never was able to finish it. Every excuse in the world, I listened to it. And I, I finally completed 75 hard earlier this year. And it was during that time where I was just like, dude, let's finish this book. Like, stop being a bitch. People need <laughs> to hear about this. This is what I'm writing about. Yeah. Um, and, and the book I'm writing that I wrote 
called Blueprint to Your Best Retirement, touches on some of the things that we talked about a little bit more in detail, you know, teaching people how they can access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free, you know, teaching them how they can set up an account that grows tax-free, you know, just kind of giving them the, the playbook. And that way they can read the book. And I did this on purpose. The book's pretty short, man. It's like a hundred pages. I specifically did not use technical terms, like uh -huh. fancy terms, because people get boring with finances and financial literacy. And uh, I wanted to be like super simple and, and, and tactical where people can just read the book in a day and an afternoon right. and be like, oh shit, let me implement that one thing that stuck out and they can just take action and see results, you know, with, with what they're doing pretty soon. It's, it's very simple. I love that. I love that. How does it feel to have your own book? Man, it feels good in the sense <laughs> of like, yeah, it's cool to be bestseller. And, and I was kind of skeptical because I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to be bestseller in underwater basket weaving. Right. right or in right. like sewing, like I want to be bestseller in relevant categories. So I was actually able to be uh, bestseller in five financial based categories, like financial based wow. categories, well like, you know, like wealth management, things mm -hmm. like that. Right. So that was cool. But like what feels even better, you know, obviously it's pretty cool to see the book and hold the book and be like, oh, my gosh, I am, I'm an author. Um, but what felt even better is just like how many times and maybe it's just one, but like there was something that you didn't finish and it took you a long time and you just kept procrastinating and you kept putting it to the shelf and right. I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it next month. And like, you just kept putting it off. Maybe it's the gym, you know, maybe it's reaching out to a long lost loved one, someone you hurt or just whatever it is. Like you just kept putting it off mm -hmm. and then you finally do it. Like you just get that big monkey off your back. You just feel so much better, a huge hundred pound weight off your shoulders. And, and that's really what felt the best more than anything, just because like I was able to beat my struggle. I was able to win against my inner bitch voice. And, and that felt way better than seeing my name on a book or being bestseller or anything like that. The accomplishment, actually finishing it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that totally resonates, man. I, uh, I've been trying to start mine for a while and just making excuses behind it. You know, it's uh, yeah, but I am working with Hillary. So you said you, uh, you finished 75 hard. Um, I got a couple of questions about that program, but my top question to stay on the topic of books is um, what's some of the, the great books you've read this year? Can you share any of those for our listeners? Yeah. Um, so uh, a big one that, uh, that really stuck out to me and I might be misquoting the title, but it's, if you Google, it'll pop up, like you're about to make the biggest mistake. Um, and I can't remember the author. I think it's got like a red and white cover um, and it's a psychology based book and it just talks about like why we make certain decisions. And that's been a key part of where I've fucked up as an entrepreneur is just making decisions that I have a bias towards, right? Because we all have biases, right? Mm -hmm. And it's easy to surround yourself with people that are yes people, people, you know, when you first start hiring people immediately you're like, oh, I just want to hire people like me. Like, I just want to hire people that <laughs> act like me, think like me, sell yeah. like me, like, let's go. Yeah. And that's the wrong way of doing it. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I know this because I did it before, yeah. right? Like, you know, so you, you want to get to a point where you're making decisions based off of, you know, the needs and what's going to give you results. And it might not always be what you want to hear. So I've, I've intentionally tried to 
be aware of my biases and why I'm making certain decisions. And, uh, you know, it just talks about, it gives like real life examples as far as, you know, certain companies that, you know, made certain decisions, talked about like Snapple, um, talked about like John F. <laughs> Kennedy and the Bay of Pigs. Like oh, yeah. a lot of people don't know, like that was a fucking catastrophe, bro. That whole disaster, Cuba, yeah. Russia thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of decisions that were made because of bias. Right. And they fucked that up. And, and they talk about that in terms of like the psychology and who was in the room and why certain people made certain decisions and things like that. So, I mean, you think about it, if you're an entrepreneur right now, maybe it's just you, maybe you've got one employee, maybe you just have VAs, maybe you've got 10 employees. Mm-hmm. You're making so many decisions every single day. And a lot of times you're making those decisions without facts or very little. Yeah. Right. So how can you be a better decision maker? Right. And, uh, you know, I'm still growing in that area and, and I want to keep learning. So that was a, a an instrumental book for me um, this year that uh, I was able to read. Well, I don't know if you heard me clicking away on the keys there, but I actually just uh, bought a copy of it from Amazon. It's called You Are About to Make a Terrible Mistake uh, yeah. by, by Olivia. Olivier Siboney, I think is the way yeah. you pronounce it. Yeah. But uh, if I, just, I really want it's like you're about to fuck up. That's what they should call the book. <laughs> yeah, you're you're about to make a terrible mistake. So I just ordered a copy of that. So I'm going to uh, sit through and add it to my uh, reading list, which seems to be um, ever. Always ever. growing, bro. Dude. I'm like, dude, like I have this big Evernote with like fucking, I think I have like 17 and a half books that I, I need to buy. It's like, I don't even write them down. I just click on Amazon, yeah. I buy them, yeah. and then yeah. like, they're just sitting all. I, yeah. I, you know, the next thing I need to buy is actually a bookshelf. Um, because I've just got yeah. stacks of books. They're books stacked on my coffee table. They're stacked on my end tables. They're stacked I'm on my you, filing man. cabinet next to my desk. I stuck them everywhere. Oh, so I, I will I'm go buy a, buy a bookshelf. Anyway, <laughs> dude, we're running running super low on time. Daniel, I got just a couple more questions for you, buddy. Um, the first one is one I ask a lot of my guests, and if you could run back right now from 32 years old to 19 and give 19-year-old Daniel one piece of advice what would it be, mate? Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid of failing, man. I think it's easy for especially younger people and we all deal with it. Like mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, like, you know, we're fail- afraid, of, afraid of failing. And a lot of times we're afraid of failing because we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. Right. So like, you just, just know that the, the setbacks and the failure, that's where the growth comes from. And, and who cares what other people think about you, right? Like we all have heard that before, yet we still let that hold us back. Oh, we spend so much time worrying about what other people think, man. You are so right. All right, um, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. Let the guys that are listening know where they can get a hold of your book and where they can find you on social media and follow along with you. Yeah, so DanielBlue.me, Daniel and then blue, just like the color, uh, .me. That's got uh, links to my podcast, How Winners Win. Uh, my podcast is on all the major platforms. Um, then it's got a link to my book, Blueprints to Your Best Retirement. Um, then it's got a link to my company, Quest Education. You know, if you've got a 401k from an old job or an IRA and you're like, oh shit, I didn't know I can access that money penalty and tax-free. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can check out uh, Quest Education, my company's website, and then uh, fill out a couple basic questions and someone from my team will reach out and, and see how we can help out. Um, and then DanielBlue.me has a link to, uh, you know, all my social media handles. I'm pretty active on Facebook. If you just look up Daniel Blue on Facebook, I think it's the only one in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Instagram, my handle is uh, at Daniel Blue. Um, same 
same thing uh you know brown head dude um, dark skin <laughs> thick eyebrows and uh that, that's me bro yeah well, that's we'll, me we'll put all those in the show notes man i really want to thank you for your time this afternoon for hanging out with us and uh, talking to the audience here um this has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you uh, guys please if you get chance run on over and check out danielblue.me and uh, listen to his podcast over at how winners win and uh, pick up a copy of his book man the blueprint to your best retirement because uh, i've learned a lot off of uh, just this last 45 minutes we've been chatting and if if that's anything to go by that book should be uh, a heck of a read so daniel thank you so much for being on the show man i appreciate it hey samuel thank you for thinking of me and uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure all right guys that's going to do it for us today you'll be good stay safe and we will see you at the end of the week for friday fire this has been the small business surgeon podcast if you've made it this far you clearly like it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.